Hi everyone, it's Robert Allen of the Wedding Podcast Network. Coming up uh, in a moment is part two of our wedding consultant uh, interviews. I had a chance to um, visit with some wedding consultants who were attending a seminar in New York City, and this is part two of that podcast uh, with four additional uh, wedding consultants, and uh, we welcome your feedback on our shows. Uh, we've been uh, uh, launched for just about uh, two weeks now, and uh, we've had uh, a really great response uh, from people listening to the podcasts and subscribing uh, through their aggregators, whether it be in iTunes or one of the other uh, programs that you might be using, and um, we welcome you. And uh, we've got lots more great programming coming your way, um, and uh, we want to uh, hear from you. We invite your feedback. If you have any suggestions, comments, uh, please write to us at weddingpodcast at gmail.com, and um, maybe we'll even read some of your emails uh, on one of our upcoming bridal scene wrap-up shows. Uh, so uh, here is part two of our wedding consultants interviews. We hope you enjoy it. And again, if you'd like to write to us, um, you can do that by writing to weddingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Robert Allen, and I hope you enjoy part two of our wedding consultants. Okay, I'm here with Janine Winars, a wedding consultant uh, from New York. Janine, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the process when you work with a couple. At what point do you generally uh, see a couple? I think there are a couple of different times when you might see a couple, depending on the couple's needs. There are the people who don't want too much involvement in the wedding. They um, they don't have a lot of time. They're both working full time. They're looking for somebody to kind of lead them through the process. Um, so they'll come and see me at the beginning stages, and I can give them vendor referrals, set up appointments for them, um, try to match their budgets and their tastes with vendors that I've worked with before, who I've interviewed before, kind of like a pre-screening so that they don't waste their time, you know, doing all of the research and background checks on all of their, you know, prospective vendors. Now, talk a little bit about when you present vendors to a, to a couple. Do you give them ten vendors, you know, of a particular kind? Let's say a photographer. How many vendor? How many photographers would you typically recommend to a couple? Usually, what I'll do is I'll go through a pre-screening process with the bride and groom. I'll ask them some detailed questions on what they're looking for, what their budget is, um, what particular type of style they're looking for, especially with a photographer if they want more photojournalistic or if they're looking for more traditional shots. Um, and then I'll usually select three different vendors for them to go see. I'll make sure the vendor is available on that day before they go meet with them. I can schedule the appointment for them if they'd like. I can accompany them on the appointment if they'd like to do that as well. Um, if the vendor is not available, obviously I'll find someone else to recommend instead. And usually the bride and groom can meet with those vendors. They'll find one to choose out of those three. If they're not happy with any of them, I will go back to my database and provide them with more vendors to go and interview. Now, what is your personal preference in terms of when you're when you're having them see a vendor, do you prefer to be with them on those meetings, or do you find it better that they're on their own in those situations? It depends on what they're looking for from their consultant. Um, I've met with all of my vendors previously, so I know where they're coming from. I've seen their work. I look at their contracts to make sure that there's nothing, you know, out of line or something that they should be watching for. Um, 
so if they want me there, I, I'm more than willing to go and, you know, point them in the right direction. I will give them a list of questions that they should ask each and every vendor that they meet with so that they're prepared and they know what to look for and they can compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. It's very hard if you don't know what questions to ask in selecting a vendor. So you're, So even if you're not there at a vendor meeting, you're sending them in prepared to meet that particular vendor. Yes. Yes, and I've already figured out, you know, kind of where they want to be, as I said, with their budget and with their style, um, trying to match up vendors who fit that criteria so that they're not wasting their time going to look at somebody who is totally traditional when they want all photojournalistic and candid shots. You know, they don't want to waste their time looking at somebody who they're not going to even consider. And and I would imagine, you know, in talking about that, that time-wasting factor, that uh, if a couple were not using a wedding consultant, there would be a lot of that hit and miss uh, kind of a situation where they might be going to visit the wrong, you know, totally the wrong vendor. Right. I think a lot of couples um, actually end up booking a lot of their vendors because they get frustrated. They ask their friends for recommendations or they'll look, um, you know, at various websites and kind of go from different websites or chat boards that they've seen online and they'll go and meet with those people who are recommended. But there's no way to know if they're good or bad. They don't see the behind the scenes, which I, as a planner, will see. You know, I see how they're acting when they're not performing, you know, the band. I see the photographers. I see their proofs. I've seen the good. I've seen the bad. I've seen the ugly. And I know, you know, I'm only as good as my worst vendor. So that's how I Right. Your reputation is, exactly. is everything. Exactly. Now, I, I, I would... I would have to say that, you know, from, you know, where you're located, out, out on Long Island, right. um, there are many uh, locations to choose from to, to get married. W- what kind of trends are you seeing? Where are your couples uh, getting married? What types of venues? Um, it depends on what they're looking for. Obviously, somebody who's looking for, like, a beach wedding is only going to look at the catering halls that offer um, some kind of water or, um, you know, some kind of outdoor setting. I think for the, um, the brides who are getting married in the spring and the fall or in the summer who want some sort of outdoor pictures and that kind of stuff, they will definitely look at catering halls who offer some kind of grounds to have those pictures as opposed to going somewhere else to take their pictures in between. A lot of people don't have time to do that, so they'll select places that, ha- that offer that. Whereas if you're getting married in, you know, late fall or the winter, they look for a location that has indoor places where they can take their pictures so that if the weather is bad or if it's too cold, they can be accommodated in that direction. Now, would you recommend to a couple, you know, you mentioned about about taking the pictures. Is it... Is it a problem to, to like, go to another location to take photographs? What what are your thoughts on that? It depends on how much time you have in between the ceremony and the reception. Um, I've seen with a lot of brides where if it's a church wedding, they will have their ceremony, then they'll have a two- to three-hour gap, and then the reception, which presents a bit of an issue for the guests because they find themselves with two to three hours of nothing to do. Um, So I'll try to work with the bride and groom to figure out um, some kind of hospitality room for them or somewhere that the guests can go so that they're not kind of wandering around for those two to three hours. Um, And I've also seen more brides and grooms now opt to see each other before the wedding, and they'll go and take their pictures off-site before the wedding. Um, It allows them to also enjoy the wedding a little bit more. They're not so nervous. They're a little bit more relaxed. They're a little bit more carefree. So 
you can definitely see a difference in the pictures when that's the case. Okay. But, but by and large, you would say that it's, it's more of a scheduling issue, just making sure there's enough time exactly. uh, if they wanted to leave exactly. the site to do that. Mm-hmm. And to find somewhere close enough that mm-hmm. they could make it to the site. The bridal party, if they choose to use the bridal party in the pictures, can all get there, get out of the limo, get set up, take the pictures, get back in the limo, go back to the the reception right. site. And then, of course, allow for the Long Island traffic. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Those of our listeners in the New York area know what we're talking about. Um, now, one of the things that, that comes up quite a bit is um, is etiquette questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes the challenge is designing the right invitation, the wording to an invitation. And, and in the day and age that we live, you know, quite often there's multiple parents, multiple sets of parents. Uh, do couples ever, you know, ask you to help them with actually designing their invitations? I actually find that a lot because one of the services that I do offer to my brides is invitations and favors and that kind of stuff. So um, I do have that a lot. So what I'll do with the brides and grooms that I'm working with is I have prepared a packet that I sent to them beforehand with um, many different types of wording based upon different situations such as two sets of parents or if a parent has passed away or if the bride and groom are hosting it themselves. Um, This way they can kind of talk to each other, talk to the parents involved, make sure everyone's happy with the wording. And then when I meet with them, they kind of know where they want to go and nobody's offended. And, you know, there's a lot of different considerations when it comes to choosing invitation wording. So they kind of are a little bit more prepared with that. Now, for a couple who's engaged your services, um, and and they're getting married, and, and let's say, for example, they have a, a 3 o'clock uh, church wedding. Uh, how early in the day do you actually start working with the couple? It, <clears throat> excuse me. It depends on what they are um, looking for. It depends on when the bride is starting her hair and makeup. It depends on when the florist is delivering flowers. Normally, the florist will make a few stops, the first being to the bride's house to drop off the bouquets for the brides and any corsages for the mothers who are getting ready with the brides. Then the florist will go to the church, drop off the church flowers and any of the boutonnieres for the groomsmen, and then they'll go to the reception site to set up the flowers there. So I will stop in and make sure that everything is, you know, set up the way it should be. Um, If the florist isn't at the bride's house when they're supposed to be, I will be following up the florist to find out where they are, if they had any trouble. Um, this way the bride doesn't have to worry about it. She can continue getting ready and getting her hair done, getting her makeup done. It's not a concern for her. Um, I meet with the vendors beforehand and I have a lot of phone contact with them beforehand. I get emergency contact numbers for them and they have my cell phone as well. This way if, God forbid, their truck breaks down, they can call me. I can go pick it up or make other arrangements. The bride doesn't have to worry about it. Let, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the emergency situation. Um, one of the things that our listeners like to find out about is what's in your emergency kit? <laughs> I think a better question is what's not in my emergency kit. Um, I have many different types of pins, safety pins, corsage pins, boutonniere pins, um, double-sided tape. I have wine out in case wine, God forbid, is spilled on the bride's gown. Um, now, there is something called wine out? There is something called wine out. Okay. Yes. Um, so that will take the wine out. Um, I have stockings. I have a mirror. I have hairspray. I have deodorant. I have um, 
black socks for men, um, you know, in case somebody shows up in their white tube socks with their tuxedo. Which I'm sure has happened. Yes. <laughs> yes, it has. You know, there's always one or two. Um, so obviously you can't be prepared for any situation that comes up. However, um, based upon my previous experience and based upon what I've heard from other coordinators, I try to prepare for everything that I can. Um, you know, I think in being a coordinator, you have to think well on your feet and use the tools that you have there to make the best of any situation. So I, I try to keep everything that I would need, you know, floral tape, scissors, a sewing kit, a little bit of everything so that you can kind of do a makeshift whatever it may be. Right, and I'm sure that kit grows a little bit after each wedding. It definitely does. Um, you know, one of the most recent additions would probably be um, like coloring books and stuff for little kids oh. who are a little unruly or, you know, upset about something, you know, lollipop something to keep them entertained so that they have something to do. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Um, well, you've certainly shared uh, lots of great information uh, with me for our listeners. And, and uh, if a couple uh, wanted to contact you uh, for help on their wedding day, how would they go about doing that? They can either visit my website, which is One Enchanted Evening, and the site is number one enchantedevening.com or they can contact me directly at my office which is 631-543-1584 Well, Janine, thank you so much for taking the time. We are here at a, um, a wedding consultants convention in New York and I appreciate you taking the time out to share this information with our listeners. Thank you very much. Okay, I am here with Lynn Jackson from Extraordinary Arrangements by Design. Lynn is a wedding consultant uh, in in New York. And Lynn, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Share with our listeners why you feel it's important that a bride have a wedding consultant on her wedding day. Okay. I know many times brides will think that they can do it all on their own. And what they don't realize is in addition to weddings being very stressful, you need a go-to person. You need someone to take the load off of you. You're going to need someone to tell Aunt Sally that she can't bring her 15 children. And me as the bridal consultant will handle that for you. Now, uh, how long have you been uh, planning weddings for couples? <laughs> oh, about off and on 20 years. I haven't tried to do it full time, but friends will call me in and say, well, you know, so-and-so's getting married, can you help? And as a sidebar, in addition to doing weddings, I also do floral arrangements, bridal bouquets, and I have a small business where I make handmade invitations unique for whoever requests them. So okay. it's a multi-talented thing for me. Okay, great. Um, now, typically when you work with a couple, mm -hmm. um, where do you enter in, in the process? Do, do couples come to you right at the start? Um, in my experience, I've had a few that have come to me uh, right, to the, right at the beginning. Um, I don't think... I don't ever recall coming in at the last day, just usually at the very beginning. You know, I sit down, I do an hour consultation, and I point out things that they should know. For example, um, pictures. You know, when you go to your photographer, don't get caught up in the excitement of buying a very large package. Um, I explain to them that 
it might be better to take the smaller package, buy your proofs and get an album for your mom and his mom. And then that way, especially with computers these days, you can take those proofs and get pictures made as you like them. You know, so that's a way to save money. But I'm sorry, you asked about, I usually come in at the very beginning. Okay. And um, when you're recommending, you know, you talked about you know, particular vendors. Mm -hmm. When you're recommending a, a particular vendor to a, a client, I'm assuming these are generally people. No, you're no, 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 uh, no, no. Usually I have not explored that aspect of the business in terms of dealing with other vendors and that's why I'm here tonight okay. um, usually what usually the brides that I have dealt with are already set up they have you know they know who they want to use and then I go over the contract with them for example I will point out to a bride if your contract says name brand liquors that's not good enough you need someone you need them to specify what they consider name brand liquors because i i helped someone with the wedding actually i was helping the consultant and the contract said you know top shelf liquor and when we got to the wedding <laughs> i couldn't even identify the lemon soda you know? So it's a very ambiguous, uh, yeah. you know, term. You really need to, right. you know, to, so you to... you do need to get everything in writing down to, if necessary, the brand of olives that they're going to use to make sure you get what you want. Okay. So it's so it's it's not just having a, a contract, and this would probably hold true with with any anything, of the vendors. but especially with the wedding, because unfortunately, by the time you realize something is wrong, it's too late to take care of it. Right. Right. And and you know, you may not want to deal with it. You exactly. Know, at that and point. again, that's where your bridal consultant comes in because you have explained everything as the bride you've explained everything to her that you want and she or he is there to carry out your wishes as necessary okay um, now do you see um, now any particular trends uh, in weddings anything that that you see that's that's new and exciting I haven't run across anything. I just know that weddings are becoming extremely elaborate and people are spending a lot of money for one day. I don't know. Um, I know it's a, uh, a personal preference in what you do, but I, I think the business is changing. It's becoming very elaborate. And yeah, bridal consultants are being called in because again, you need someone to help you with your elaborate planning. I haven't noticed any new trends recently. It's, you know, still the flowers, still the cake. Cakes have started, have started to become extremely elaborate, you know, um, but it's still the wedding business. It just keeps growing. Okay. Now we were talking uh, earlier before we went on the air what are some ways that, that you recommend to couples uh, to, to get a handle on the budget, to, to possibly yeah. save some money? Okay. Um, one of the things, for example, your main meal, you don't need five different entrees. You know, you can get away with two. Um, one of, we were just discussing it, instead of having a big sit-down dinner, have hors d'oeuvres for four hours and serve good champagne and good, you know, use quality uh, food rather than using inexpensive things that people aren't going to like. And that does cut down on the budget. But don't, don't guests care about what food they eat? I don't think so. You know, as we discussed earlier, everyone goes out to eat now. At one time, I think weddings were uh, looked at as an evening out, you know, to try something new. But our generation... You know, we go out to eat every night of the week and twice on Saturday. So you have to be inventive at your wedding and 
I think that's one of the ways to do it. Now, when you are working with a couple and, mm -hmm. and you're there on the wedding day, what is your typical day like uh, on the day of a wedding? Are you starting early in the morning? Usually, what I have done in the past, I usually go to the venue to make sure it's being set up properly. A couple of times I've done the flowers, so what I will do is stay up all night putting the flowers together and then I go to the venue and then once I get everything set up there then I will go back to the bride make sure her flowers look good I work with the photographer to fix her dress to make sure her hair is exactly in place um, we will leave and then I'll go to the church usually a church will have a church lady so I'm really not needed at the church because you don't mess with the church ladies you know they're <laughs> very possessive Absolutely. <laughs> but um, you know at the church you make sure everything is set up up, you make sure the ushers are where they're supposed to be. You make sure the groom is there. Definitely make sure the groom is there, okay? <laughs> and um, you get everybody down the aisle. You get them back out. You work with the photographer to make sure that everybody is where they're supposed to be. And then once that all, that's all set up, then I go back to the venue. And then when I get there, I make sure that the place cards are out, that the tables are set up properly. And then during the affair, I make sure the bride and groom have everything they need. I make sure the kids aren't running around. I look out for the relative that may be drunk and getting ready to cause a problem and you have to be diplomatic enough to get in there and get them out of the way before they cause a scene and then get the bride in the car you get the groom in the car you get those packages out of there and then you go home now you know I would think that that um you know, having the experience that you do, that mm -hmm. um, there are sometimes issues that come up about what's proper etiquette mm -hmm. for a wedding. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that there are certainly some, you know, more hard and fast rules that you need to abide by. But mm -hmm. how do you deal with, you know, in, in today's day and age, you know, our culture has changed and, mm -hmm. you know, we have multiple parents and, and all kinds of families and, and mixed and things like that. You know, how do you handle some of the more challenging etiquette questions? Mm, I think you, as the consultant, you have to remain flexible. And although there are certain hard and fast rules, as you said, with our culture and our society changing, you as the consultant have to be ready to do that. Um, I actually saw... I saw a wedding invitation one time where someone actually put on the bottom, the favor of your gift is declined, monetary gifts only. I don't think I could have handled a wedding like that. That would have been the deal breaker for me because I wouldn't have wanted my name associated with something like that. You know, so there are certain hard and fast rules. You don't ask for money. You don't put it on the invitation um, because your guests are just that, your guests. They're doing you the honor of coming. Um, but again, because society is changing, it's pretty much whatever goes, you know. Um, I've seen dead parents' names on the invitations. That's not right, but the bottom line is if that's what the bride wants, then you have to go along with it. It becomes their comfort level it's, yeah, more so than yeah. anything. Yeah, you know, as I said, there are certain, I, I wouldn't... I couldn't put my name on a wedding where it was strictly about the money because right. I don't want people to associate me with that type of thing. You right. know? But well, for the most part, do do couples, I mean, take your advice? I mean, a lot of times, you the know, they're, they're making with, a, yeah, you know, uh, you a decision know, except, and they're just not knowing. Except that one wedding where I said to the guy, mm, you know, this top shelf liquor thing isn't working too well. And he said, oh, no, the woman assured me that I would have, you know, so that's one time. But I think 
most people want help and they need and what uh, what you do is the consultant is set parameters you know it's like with a kid no you can't go outside to play okay fine so they you, you know they kind of need someone to rein them in and give them parameters and that's what the consultant does okay great uh, now if a uh, couple were interested in contacting you uh, to to possibly work with you sure. on their wedding day how would they go about doing that um, they could call me at my home number or my business number as it is it's 212 Four nine one four nine nine two. Leave a message, and I will call you back. Great. Well, Lynn, you've certainly shared uh, a wealth of information <laughs> from your years of experience uh, with our listeners, and uh, we certainly appreciate you taking the time. Uh, uh, we're here at a uh, uh, a convention for wedding consultants, course, where yeah. you're here uh, educating yourselves. And uh, I certainly appreciate you taking the time and to I talk with us. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I am here with Kathy Azarkon, an event planner from the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Kathy, thank you for joining us today. Um, give us a little bit of a, a sense of the type of, of wedding consulting that you do. I can do anything from day of services to full coordination, which would consist of from once the couple's engaged, I can either help them take over from there to find their sites as far as their church, the reception sites. I help them locate all the vendors that they'll need, the florist, the baker, the photographers, things like that. Or if they just want to do all that themselves and they want help pulling it together for the last 30 days before the wedding, that's called a day of service and I do that too. Okay. Now typically the, the couples that you work with, at what point in the process are they coming to you? It depends. I get them at all different stages. I sometimes get them from the beginning because they know right up front they're either people with two careers, dual careers, and they don't have the time, then they know they don't have the time to invest, or they think, or I get them once they think they have the time, but then they realize they really don't. So I get them at all different stages. It just depends on the couple. Now, a lot of the times, you know, brides will you know, have specific ideas of what they want to do for their wedding and, and the types of things that they want. That doesn't necessarily mean that they don't need the help of a wedding consultant, does it? No, actually, because they do have the ideas, a professional wedding consultant would be ideal for them because a consultant would know how to make those ideas become a reality and keep the ideas realistic. It's very easy. A wedding can become a black hole of finances, mm. and it's very easy to get off track, and it's very easy to go very trendy and then decide, no, we want something a little more traditional, and before you know it, you're into your wedding for 50000 extra dollars that you didn't need to spend. Okay, and uh, we were talking earlier about a, a situation that you're dealing with, you know, right now that, um, you know, just proves the point of, of why it's so important to have someone like yourself uh, working with a couple. There was a, a, a bride that was having a problem with her wedding location. Yeah, with her I started right from the beginning. She actually had booked the site that she wanted before I got involved, and that's where I came in once she had booked the site. But since she's booked the site, um, the the site has changed hands, so new owners took over. There's been five different catering managers. Her contract was lost. They didn't have um, the rooms. They lost the booking for the rooms. There were just issues with the contract all over the place. And I had to go in and renegotiate the contract twice with two different catering managers. And finally now... I've just started dealing with the general manager of the of the new venue, and and I would assume that a bride would never have the um, 
the power, if you will, that, that you would have in going in and trying to renegotiate these things. No, right, because the bride is a one-time customer. The venue understands our relationship and that I can either bring him additional business or I cannot bring him additional business. So because I have a little more leverage in a professional sense, I'm more apt to get things under control at a quicker rate. Now talk to us a little bit about when you recommend specific vendors to a, uh, a client that you're working with. Do you, um, I'm sure there are certain vendors that, that you work with. Absolutely. You know, and do you feel it's important for you to be in on these meetings with, with your bride and, and the vendors, or do you just kind of let them you know, visit on their own? No. If they've hired me to negotiate their contracts, I'm definitely in on the meetings. And it's generally, if they go to someone that I refer them to, they're usually getting somewhat of a discount. It depends on the vendor how deep the discount can be. But I'm there to help negotiate the contract, help them understand what the contract says. Maybe the vendor left something out, or maybe the couple doesn't realize they need to ask something. So I'm there as the mediator and the negotiator. Okay. And and I'm sure the the relationship that you have with the vendors uh, helps in, in getting the best possible service for your for your your brides absolutely because again it's on a professional level I can bring them more business or I cannot bring them more business now when a couple comes to you uh, and wants to engage your services um, what how does your your fee structure work what what might a couple typically spend with you it actually depends on what what they want to do. If they want to do a full service, um, it can be expensive depending on what services they need, how many staff I need to employ. Um, really, it depends on the basic needs, but the basic full service package is about $4,000. Okay, but certainly that amount of money is, is easily saved over the, the whole uh, process of planning a wedding, typically. Well, if you figure that a bride has about 750 new decisions to make, in a 12-month period, and she's going to be hiring people that she's never had to hire before, or she's going to enlist the services of people not only has she never needed before, but may never need again. It's nice to have a guidance on who's the best in the business. Now, are you seeing any um, any trends uh, with weddings today? Uh, any new hot ideas? Uh, any anything old that that brides are are getting back to? Uh, to doing? What, what kinds of things are you seeing? I think one of the um, one of the mainstream trends that kind of lost was like the whole head table thing where you have 14 people lined up against the wall. Okay. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Some people still like it, but now they have sweetheart tables and everybody's at round tables. And then some people like to switch round and square tables and, and people are... Um, Trying to find ways to make their wedding more of a signature wedding mm -hmm. than either an old-fashioned wedding like their grandmother had or their mother had, but they're trying to make a wedding for the couple okay. and have that reflect. Would that involve um, maybe a theme for the wedding or a certain color scheme and things like that? How do how, how are you seeing couples personalize their weddings today? It, it depends on the couple. Well, how I try to define a wedding or a design is I get into the psyche of the couple. How did they meet? 
um, what are their favorite colors, what do they like to do together, do they enjoy any hobbies together, um, things like that. And then we develop a theme. Every wedding has a theme, whether you realize it or not, whether it is a color theme, whether it's maybe the bride loves roses and she wants to use it in everything, or they have sunflowers as her favorite color. So it just all depends. Okay, so... so what you try and do then is bring in their personalities and their likes into into the wedding itself absolutely now um, what you know in your area where you are around Washington DC what uh, what types of venues are are brides getting married in these days they're getting married in hotels Mm -hmm. they're using utilizing the hotel space for ceremony and reception having everything all under one roof hotels are good because if they have out-of-town guests everything can be done in-house all under the same roof Okay, so that's that's a distinct advantage. And and in terms of having a ceremony at a at a hotel, uh, what are some of the ways that they can kind of uh, you know make that special? Because a lot of times a hotel can be rather nondescript versus in a, a house of worship. Uh, what are some of the things that that you do for couples to kind of help them? Uh, with with their ceremony portion. Well, again, it goes into design of the wedding. You can make it a very intimate setting using arches that are flowered, you know, decorated with flowers. Um, Lighting helps. You can use a lot of candle lights or low lighting in in the hotel room, making a very intimate setting. So you don't see the actual room itself, and you're focusing more on the ceremony. So then the room becomes less of an issue by yes. what you know what you're putting into it. Well, it's how you focus. Okay. How you focus the people and where you focus all the images to be. Okay. Uh, one of the things that that we've been discussing with some of the uh, other wedding consultants here, we're at, at a a, a, uh, a weekend long uh, seminar you're having here. Right. Um, and and a lot of our listeners like to know about a wedding consultant's emergency kit. Oh, yes, our, um, our emergency kit. <laughs> what, uh, what are some of the things that you have in your emergency kit? I have a travel iron. <laughs> <laughs> I have safety, you know, the usual garment kind of stuff, safety pins, needle and thread, bobby pins. I have extra unity candles. I have an extra guest book. I have an extra garter. I have munchies for kids. I have crayons. I mean, it's very well stocked. <laughs> and I'm sure it gets used quite a bit. Yes. Yes. Great, yes. great. Um, well, certainly this has been uh, fabulous information that you're sharing. Now, if a couple wanted to get in touch with you and, and have you help them plan their wedding, how would they go about that? They can either call me on the phone, and my number is 301-210-5335, or they can con- contact me through my email, which is kathy at m, the number 2rbridal.com. My website is www.m2rbridal.com. Great. Well, Kathy, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And uh, I'm sure our listeners have gotten some great information from you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay, joining me now is Isis Petrie from New Jersey. And Isis is an event and wedding consultant. And Isis, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, the type of work that you do and, and how you work with couples. Okay. The name of my company is Pure and Simple Productions. And we do events, but we primarily focus on weddings. And I usually, my client typically is the bride looking to go outside of the cookie cutter wedding. I look for the bride who wants to wear the red dress instead of the white or who wants to use a different type of flower, a different type of venue, such as museums or lofts and 
etc. Um, normally I market to my brides online and they'll contact me and to me my focus with brides is to find out what they want to do to make their wedding uniquely them. And, um, and how, do you, just, how do you do that? How do you go about finding that out? I normally give them a questionnaire and I always ask my couples, if you could do anything for the rest of your life, what would that be? If you can go any one place, where would you go? And then I try to find a way to incorporate that into the wedding itself, be it through a theme or through a feel. And that's usually the kind of reception we try to create. Talk to us a little bit about some of the themes that you've worked with. Well, one of the themes that I'm working with now is type. Of, it's a lounge theme. Mm -hmm. So the bride and groom, they're going to have the traditional reception, but for the reception, it's going to be a neo-soul type of lounge. So when you walk in, you're going to feel like you're in Manhattan rather than in New Jersey with the dark lighting and the candles and the colors. My weddings tend to have a lot of color in them. My brides tend to be very colorful. <laughs> And and you talked about, you know, the red dress. Yes. Is there anything that you you won't do for a bride? I mean, is you know, we always hear about, oh, you can't do that right. or you shouldn't do that. When in actuality there's really no rules, no rules, are there? I always tell my brides that there's no one right way to do anything. There are some wrong ways, but um there are rules of etiquette, but if there was something important to you, maybe we can't do it in one in a traditional way and incorporate it but we'll find a way to incorporate it into this uh, reception as opposed to the ceremony if it's of that type of priority to you so there's you know if if a bride has a certain vision or a certain idea in mind that generally speaking there's a way to work, work that in right exactly okay and, and what are some of the trends you're seeing is you know what's hot right now right now i see a lot of color especially in the cakes um one of my bride her cake was green because green was an important color to green, her okay. um and it kind of had the feel of the mad hatter type mm. of cake so um we're trying to step outside of the traditional ballroom and create a wedding that has more pizzazz Okay, and would that necessarily be dictated by the location itself or how you're utilizing the location? I think it's a combination of both. There are some things that just would not look appropriate in a ballroom, so you might have to step outside of that feel. But if a ballroom's important to you and it's color you want, we may work it into the flowers as opposed to putting it on the walls. <laughs> okay. So. Okay. Now, when a couple um, comes to you, mm -hmm. at, at what point are they in the process generally? Um, a lot of my brides will hire me for day of, but I do have full service brides as well. Um, so I can work with you from the very beginning, from day one, from your engagement, or when you're further along in the process. And what what is your preference generally? My preference generally is full service, um, primarily because at that point I can help you and get a picture of what your vision is and walk you through, as opposed to picking it up later in the process and then trying to incorporate things. Well, let's say a couple comes to you at the at the beginning of the process, mm -hmm. and uh, you know they're at the point where they're going to start meeting with vendors. Right. How do you determine who you should send them to? Well, I meet with all my vendors prior to recommending them to a client. So when we sit down for our initial consult, I'll get an idea of what type of wedding they want to have and what type of vendors would be a good fit. So for our photographers, if you're looking for something a little different, I'm going to take you to a photographer that will shoot that way or will know locations around the city and who has an idea of where would be a good place to take you as opposed to me recommending you to a photographer that's more a portrait style or 
something like that. And do you find that it's important for you to attend these meetings with your, your couples? Or I do definitely you send them? do. I, um, I leave it to the couple for preference, but I prefer to attend it um, a lot of times because I'm kind of the liaison between the vendor and my bride. Um, sometimes the bride may not be able to vocalize exactly what it is she's looking for, but because I've been working with her, um, I may be able to help her create a vision and um, transpire that vision to something that the photographer can produce for her. So I think it works to the benefit of both of them. Now, um, you talked uh, a little bit before about uh, the issue of etiquette. Yes. Of, you know, there's you know the right way or wrong way to right. do things, uh, and and you know in this day and age with the way families are there's right. not a lot of traditional families right. and sometimes there's a few sets of parents right. um and and one of the challenges that i know for couples is is the invitation right. and, and the wording of the invitation do you assist your couples in 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 their wording for their invitations i will assist them um a lot of brides will come to me with those type of questions and i do include etiquette advisement in my packages I think it's important. I think that that's a real struggling point for a lot of couples right now because they do want to incorporate the father who's not married to the mother and both parents are paying and, you know, the groom's family is involved. So I do get involved in that aspect as well. And um, do you, um, you know, the other aspects, you know, one of the things I know as a man, I know when I was, uh, when I was, you know, planning or, or assisting the planning of, of my wedding, you know, the thing that I was most concerned about was the honeymoon. Yes. Um, do you offer assistance in, in helping them plan a honeymoon? At this point, I have not had a lot of involvement with honeymoon planning. Um, I usually attempt to get my grooms more involved with the wedding aspect itself because grooms tend to be on the shy side. My grooms tend to be vocal once I get them in the seat. <laughs> and and how do you how do you do that? How do you involve the groom? Like what are are the components that you found that grooms are are most interested in? I think it used to be um, that the groom just kind of wanted to show up and drink. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think the grooms are very involved when it comes to music selection. I think the grooms are getting more involved when it comes to the colors and the feel and creating an atmosphere because it is their day, and I encourage them to participate and find a medium between what the bride wants and what the groom wants as well so that he doesn't feel like he should just have to show up. And, and do you find that that brides are more comfortable with that? Are they are, are they receptive to having their grooms part of that planning process? Ironically enough, I think when the groom sits down in front of me, that's the first time the bride knew that the groom even had an opinion <laughs> and then wanted to be involved because I think up until that point, they're kind of quiet and shy and just let her do whatever. But I always try to encourage him to participate. And I think that it works um, for the better of both of the members of the couple. And I think the brides get excited when they know their groom wants to be involved, even though sometimes they clash. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, that's what relationships are all about. And it's about compromise. And sure. You find a lot of compromise in those situations. But right. I love to have my grooms involved. I think it's very important. Okay. And um, when when you're working with a, a couple that, let's say, you know, has a you know, a different opinion mm -hmm. on things. Mm -hmm. You know, one wants a band, one wants a DJ. DJ. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you work through those those difficulties with them? I think that you can find a compromise. Maybe you'll um, have someone, like, I normally try to find, okay, if you want a band and you want a DJ, what can we do? Can we incorporate 
let's say, a pianist at the ceremony, would that be a good compromise as opposed to, you know, just playing regular music like we were originally going to do? Or she'll, one of my brides um, and grooms, they wanted, the groom really wanted to do Latin music. Mm. So we're going to have them incorporate into the ceremony um, a section of the ceremony where they're going to do a Latin dance number. And I think even though the bride wasn't really originally with it, I think that that was a good compromise for both of them. Um, it gets a little bit more tricky when you want band versus DJ, but we try to work them into both okay. and, and come up with a pretty decent solution. Okay. Now, keeping with this music theme, mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts on couples taking dancing lessons for their wedding? I think it's very important. I've actually taken private dance lessons myself. <laughs> um, I think that it's very important, and I think it's a time of bonding for the couple as well. I think a lot of couples get um, very wrapped up and very stressed when it comes to planning their wedding, and my function is to help them lessen their stress. I think um, dance lessons are important because you get an hour or two with your groom where no one expects anything of you except to enjoy your time together. So I definitely encourage it. And do you see a difference in the result? I do. And I think that when it's time to dance, they're so excited because they're no longer worried about tripping over each other <laughs> or what they're going to look like. And they're proud. The pictures show it. Um, the audience well receives it. And uh, I think it's very good. Now, something that uh, I've asked all of uh, my consultants mm-hmm. today uh, and our listeners really love to know this information is what's in your emergency kit (laughs) oh what's not in my emergency (laughs) kit i mean i have the standard the pins the um the tape the shout wipes i have it all um I have a lot of ribbon in there. I think uh-huh. ribbon comes in handy for a lot of different reasons, um, whether it be decoration or just to hold a dress to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, in my emergency kit is also food, though. Mm. Um, I think that the process of the wedding and the ceremony can be very stressful, and I've seen bridesmaids and groomsmen almost go down. <laughs> so now I include food. I think it's important to have snacks in there because people forget to eat. Right. Um, but I have all the standards in there. And so. and you're and I'm sure you visit that emergency kit just about All every wedding. All the time, right? <laughs> everyone forgets something, that's and it. I think it's good. I, I definitely do because that's why we're there. We're there to help them make it through the day. So great, great. Well, Isis, you've certainly shared some very valuable information with our listeners. And uh, if a couple wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? You can visit me on my website, which is pureandsimpleproductions.com, or you can call the office at eight five six. Eight one seven six one one four. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to share the information. Thank you for having me. Okay, so that'll do it for part two of the Wedding Consultants podcast from New York City. We hope you enjoyed it. We've uh, certainly gotten a lot of information over these uh, part one and part two of the Wedding Consultant Podcasts. Uh, Again, I'm Robert Allen, and we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, questions uh, about the shows that we're doing, uh, input on who you'd like to hear interviewed, and uh, you can write to us at weddingpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, I'm Robert Allen for the Wedding Podcast Network, and we'll see you next time.